Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host, Kevin Knight, reminding you to check out the show live on YouTube on Wednesday nights at 8.10 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to check out our Patreon page where you can unlock exclusive perks, including access to a patron Q&A session where we take Falcons questions for about 30 minutes to an hour. That's a lot of fun. You can find that page at patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode... 142 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by a wonderful special guest this evening. She is Tori McElhaney of The Athletic, at Tori underscore McElhaney on Twitter. Tori, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Very good. Excited to have you on. Uh, like I was saying before the show, DW got you on the podcast, so I couldn't let him upstage us. You know, we had to make sure you came on too. So we appreciate you making the time. I know it's a really busy part of the year. So thank you once again. No, I'm happy to come on. And and yes, it is a really busy part of the year. That's, yeah. that's not a lie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, also with us tonight, you guys already saw Eric Robinson. He is on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. We're one day closer to the draft. So. Yep, yep. It's getting it's getting dicey out there on those Twitter streets. So yeah. can't get here fast enough, in my opinion. Yeah. So we're working on it. Also with us tonight, making time in his very busy schedule as the Falcoholics, Ian Rappaport slash Director of Guest Personnel, yeah. Evan Birchfield yeah. at Evan Birchfield on Twitter. <laughs> Evan, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm great, Kevin. Um, I'm just ready for the smoke screens to end. Yeah, it's smoke screen, smoke screen season, uh, as we can see, because I feel like every time I turn turn on Twitter, there's another draft rumor connected to the Falcons. It's it's an unusual position for this team to uh, actually be the center of National League attention. Uh, so I'm enjoying it to some extent, but it's, it's starting to get a little bit grating. So I'm ready to uh, actually just move forward with this draft class. But... Uh, we have some free agent signings to talk about. Uh, Falcons signed Corderell Patterson, uh, wide receiver slash running back slash kick returner, special teams extraordinaire, and also safety Deron Harmon. So those are some big moves. We're going to talk about those first. We're also going to, of course, get uh, to asking Tori about her thoughts on the NFL draft, what she is leaning and what she thinks the Falcons might be doing. And also, of course, taking your questions, guys, uh, throughout the show. So feel free to throw those in if you have them. Uh, make sure also to like and subscribe. As always, you guys know what to do. Thanks again for, for tuning in tonight, guys. All right, Tori. So first of all, I know you had a chance to talk with some of these new free agent additions. So let's start with Corderell Patterson. Um, what are your thoughts on that signing and uh, your your takeaways from getting to, to chat a little bit with Patterson? I think this is one of the most exciting signings that the Falcons have had this offseason. I think when you look at the records this guy holds, what he's been able to do as a return man, I mean, 
it's really fun to to watch him play and it was really good getting to talk to him because it was like okay we need to know what type of role he's going to play is he strictly going to be a special teams guy or is he is Arthur Smith looking to incorporate him in the offense in some way shape form or fashion and the answer that I got from that was yes that I I think I'm really excited to see what Arthur Smith does with CP because I mean, it, you, you think of like gadgets to use, you, you think of all the different ways that you could use a guy like CP in, in this offense. I feel like it's numerous. I feel like you can have so many layers of, of play calling with specifically this guy. And so I think being able to talk to him and him kind of say, yeah, I talked to Arthur Smith about it and I, whatever role he wants me in, he, he can put me in. That's exciting because I think Arthur Smith could do a lot with him. Yeah. 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 It's very exciting signing. Definitely one of the flashiest names of the offseason. The Falcons have been bargain shopping a bit for obvious reasons. Um, very exciting player. I was able to do a film breakdown of him this week. Um, yeah, and it, it seems like from how the signing was announced, uh, I know Michael Rostein of ESPN reported him as signing as a running back slash kick returner. Um, did you get any idea from your conversation of if the, the plan is to use him more at running back? Or is it, like you said, more of a chess piece role with Arthur Smith here? More of a chess piece. I think it's more of like, you know, just all personnel type of guy. I think he's really going to be used how Arthur Smith wants him to be used. And, and he even said today, he was like, I don't care what I'm listed at on a roster. He was like, I've always been able to do different stuff than what exactly I was listed at. So I don't really just pigeonhole him into one thing. I, I have him kind of all over the place in my head. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's smart um, because I, I've liked what he's done at wide receiver. Obviously, the Bears didn't really use him in that role a ton uh, last year, more as a running back. I think he took like almost 100 carries last year. Um, and I didn't necessarily love how the Bears used him at running back either, but I think there's a lot that he can do really well. And I think if anyone can figure out a way to use him very creatively and maximizing his strengths... Uh, I think it could be Arthur Smith, so I'm excited to see what happens there. Eric, I wanted to get your thoughts on the signing, too. Any any uh, takeaways from that Corderell Patterson edition? You know, once the signing was made, this I immediately thought that this was, this was why Terry Fontenot was hired as general manager, because these are the type of signings that he made or he, he had a hand in in New Orleans. You know, remember last year, uh, they went out and got Malcolm Jenkins, um, and they brought in Mario Davis. So it wasn't those those signings that, you know, created fireworks and, and created headlines. But as the year progressed, those were the key guys on the roster. And I think Cordero Patterson is going to be another name to add to that catalog for Terry Fontenot. Um, I, of course, we know what we're going to get from him, from him in the kickoff ability, kickoff return game. Um, but I was more excited about what he was, what he can do in this offensive scheme because I remember what uh, what Nagy tried to get out of him in Chicago, and there were times where you know he he Cordero was lined up in several spots, tight end, um, ba- uh, running back, slot receiver, lined out at X in certain occasions, had a bunch of wide receiver, tight end screens, things for him. They just tried to get the ball in his hands and get him in space. And I think in an offense, they did that in an offense that didn't have a Julio Jones, that didn't mm-hmm. have a Calvin Ridley, that didn't have a Hayden Hurst. Now you take that element and you add it to this offense. And I think you you blend that with the creativity of Arthur Smith. And I think this is going to be one of the more underrated signings of free agency uh, as the season goes on for the Falcons. Yeah, yeah. Special teams alone, I think, 
he's obviously a huge addition. I mean, the threat that he is every time he touches the ball. I mean, there are so few players that can legitimately take the ball out of the end zone um, and get more than the 25 yards from a touchback on average. I mean, um, it was funny. I remember one of the plays I broke down, like the Bucks obviously recognized last year that Patterson's very dangerous. So they kick it deep, like nine yards deep in the end zone. And Patterson's like, I'm taking this. He takes it out, gets like a 45 yard return out of it. It's just, this dude is insane. Um, And I'm really excited to see what he does there as well. Evan, did you have anything you wanted to add about Patterson? Uh, No, I mean, just, you know, I think some people I saw on Twitter mentioning his age, but the dude made the pro bowl and he's an all pro the last two years in Chicago. Um, as Eric was talking about, the element on offense is exciting, but just on special teams alone, like all of a sudden we have a chance at kick returns. Uh, the last kick return, I believe, was 2010. Um, and since he's been in the league um, since 2013, he's had eight kick returns. Um, just, I mean, it speaks for itself. It's just, it's exciting to know there's all of a sudden a weapon on special teams, but we can also have fun on offense. I, yeah, I believe, I believe they were a bottom five team last year in average starting position on offense. They were mm-hmm, um, absolutely. So that alone, bringing in Cordero Patterson, that alone improves improves that stat. So yeah, yeah, very excited to see that. And you know, I think it's interesting because a lot of teams are just kind of glossing over the kick return game, namely not necessarily the punt return game, but the kick return game and just taking the touchbacks. The Falcons are really trying to gain an advantage there, and I think it shows that they really are trying to gain an advantage anywhere they can, which I think is smart. If you you can, do it. Um, So I'm excited about that signing in particular. Let's move on to safety Duran Harmon. I saw your tweets today, Tori, about Harmon. I know you're very excited about him, so I'll just give you the floor to wax poetic about Duran Harmon and, and what you think he brings to Atlanta. Yeah, I, I tweeted this out on the day that we, we found out about Duran and CP's signing. And, I, you know, everybody was really excited about CP, which as they should be. CP is going to be <laughs> a really great addition to this team. He's somebody who I, I think is going to be really exciting. But you can't overlook Duran. You can't overlook him because I do think that he's going to be so important to the safeties, just just the safeties in general. Because here's somebody who's coming in who's 30 years old. He has a lot of experience. He started all 16 games last year with Detroit. I mean, this is someone who knows situations. He, he came up through New England. He, he understands the game. He understands what he's looking for. And he I loved that he told us a story about how he came to the Falcons about wanting to come and be a part of what they're doing in Atlanta because of Arthur Smith, because of Dean Pease specifically. And mm-hmm. I, I've said this many times, and I think the Dean Pease hire was the best hire that, that was made this offseason, period. Yeah. And then that's across the league. I, I'm a huge – I mean, I've been following D, Dean Pease's career even before his retirement. So the fact that he was coming to Atlanta was really exciting, something that I think Falcons fans should be really excited about. And the fact that Duran's sitting there and he's like, hey, I came to Atlanta because I wanted to work in Dean P's system. And, and I think so highly of, of this guy as a play caller. Um, I think that is really, it, it's really exciting. I think it really shows um, how respected Dean Pease is. And it also shows kind of Duran being willing to come to a situation where it's like, all right, the, the safeties are completely rebuilding. Yeah. They got rid of everybody. There's no, I mean, outside of Jalen Hawkins and Eric Harris, but like 
outside of those two guys, there's really no one else in this room. So with that being said, the fact that he's really wanting to come in in leaving a situation like the Lions in granted, we don't know how much they were willing to bring him back or not, but the fact that he wanted to come to Atlanta, I just think that speaks very highly of this coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, he, he took way less money than I would expect him to want. Mm-hmm. I mean, even on a bad Detroit defense last year, PFF <laughs> right. still grade him out as like a good safety. So um, I figured he would have had suitors. Obviously the reduced salary cap had something to do with that. Right. You know, it's close to the draft. Um, it, it is very cool that he chose to come here. Uh, I also ex- am excited about DMP, so uh, I, I sympathize with, with Harmon there. But yeah, his addition really gives the Falcons something resembling an NFL safety group uh, <laughs> yes. now that he's here. So that that's a big relief uh, because going into the draft without Harmon was like, all right, well, we either take someone on day two or we don't have a starter at one spot. You know, we're yeah. basically depending on Jalen Hawkins to be a starter and maybe that could work out, you know, maybe TJ green, there's something there, you know, the former undrafted free agent, but yeah, uh, feel a lot better about the safety group with Harmon. So very exciting. Um, yeah. Uh, Evan, I'll let you get the next crack at this one. Um, what do you think about the Harmon edition for the Falcons? Well, overall, like, I mean, Tori covered him perfectly. I, my favorite part is how cheap these deals have been. Obviously, the cap space has been the, a massive, like, you know, elephant in the room this offseason. But they got him for, what, a million? And then I think, like, a signing bonus of 300000 Like, for a player like that who's going to, you know, start probably right away, um, they're getting him for, like, great value. Same with Patterson. What was his deal exactly? It, I think it, it was like that. one year, $3 million. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't extravagant. Yeah. Yeah, so they're they're making all the right signings. That's what I love about this. Um, but yeah, as you were mentioning, Kevin, the safety issue. Like, if you would ask me a couple months ago, it was like, oh god, like we're in trouble. But now all of a sudden, you have you have Harmon, you have Eric Harris, who you know they're going to fill right in, and now we don't have to worry so much about that spot. Yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. Definitely gives them more flexibility in the draft, which I think is probably one of the reasons they made the addition. Eric, your takeaways uh, on Deron Harmon? You know, it's, it's not often that you get a starter this late in free agency for the little amount of money that they gave Harmon, and that's exactly what he is. He led Detroit last year in interceptions. Um, I think his last couple of years in New England, I think he had eight interceptions the last two years there. If you go back and look at some of his tape, look at some of his interceptions, he made a lot of his interceptions at key junctures of the game, whether it was in the fourth quarter on a game winning drive or was when the team needed a spark. I remember, I remember he had an interception in the Super Bowl where the Eagles were driving down the field late in the, in late in the first half. He made a pick there to, to stop what looked like a scoring drive. Um, you know, and just I, I think there's a small trend being put together here with whatever what they have at safety. Um, with Harmon, with Harris, and even with Jalen Hawkins as well. Even if you you go back and look at Jalen Hawkins' career in in college, he also played free and strong safety. The same can be said for Harris. The same can be said for Harmon. So I think that trend is probably going to continue in the draft. I think they're going to be looking at those type of guys that has played um, significant snaps at both positions. But I'm really I really like the signing of Harmon. Uh, it stabilizes what is an important position in the DMP's defense because. That free safety is going to see a lot of center field duty. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, you may need that veteran 
communication back there. So I, I, I really, I really think this is another really good signing by Fontenot and the staff. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that stands out to me about the, both of the safety additions this offseason, Eric Harris and Deron Harmon, both are guys that have played both safety spots, did it last year. Both are very smart. Um, and that's one of the biggest requirements for DMP's defense is that you need to be able to understand a lot of different coverage roles because he's going to ask you to do a lot of different coverage roles, sometimes multiple on the same play, sometimes something pre-snap, sometimes something post-snap. So, Especially with the safeties because they discuss yeah. a lot with their safeties. There are times you may not know who's playing free, who's playing strong. That free safety may slide down and play at the intermediate level at the snap that you don't expect the strong safety to, to, to drop and and um uh, and cover some some field there mm-hmm. too. So again, it's all about versatility with that group. Yeah. Very excited about those additions. Um, like I said, I think the versatility is the name of the game. Both Eric Harris and Daron Harmon can play both safety spots. Uh, and neither one is gonna be a disaster at any of those spots either. So they have a lot of flexibility there. Probably also gonna see a draft pick added. So safety group, obviously we all feel a lot better about it with Daron Harmon on the roster. So let's move on uh, to some draft takes because we got to make sure we, we pick Tori's brain about the draft. I know Tori, you were, like I said, on the Falcoholic podcast. I heard you on the uh, locked on NFL draft podcast. That's one of my favorites as well. I know you took Trey Lance for the Falcons there. Um, I'm wondering if obviously you couldn't trade down there. So that wasn't an option, but I am curious as to what your personal opinion is uh, on what the Falcons should do it for, and then what maybe you think the team should do, or maybe they're both the same thing. It's not the same thing. I can guarantee you that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What I personally would love to see, just one as a storyteller, as a writer, the storyline of Justin Fields coming Mm -hmm. to Atlanta, coming Mm -hmm. to the state of Georgia, for me, that would be, that's the story I want to tell. Um, I also think that just the, uh, I I think if Justin Fields falls to number four, if Kyle Shanahan really wants Mac Jones at number three, (laughs) like then I think the Falcons have to pick him up at number four. Like I I just really do. Um, now from there, do I think the Falcons are actually going to do that? Not really. I, I, I think if you're looking at it from so many different standpoints, and I've said this so many times, but it really does feel like with the Falcons decision, as to what they do with number with the number four pick, regardless of which way they go, it's going to mean something different for the future of this organization within two years. So mm-hmm. I, I really do think that that is really hard to narrow down. And I know we were talking about smoke screens earlier. There's a mm-hmm. lot out there. Yeah. Um, I, I really do think that it's – I'm fully planning on not knowing what the Falcons are going to do until after the 49ers make their pick at number three. Like, mm-hmm. I really do. I really don't think we're going to know before then. Uh, and with that being said, what are some other options? I know a lot of people are thinking Kyle Pitts. I'm not a huge uh, – don't get me wrong. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a great player in the NFL. He's going to make any team that he joins better. I don't think he's for the Falcons. Um, I haven't thought that from the beginning, and I see, Eric, you're shaking your head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't don't let our, our show benefactor, George Costanza, hear you say you're that. Brave, gonna... You're a brave woman. <laughs> you're a brave woman to make that statement with this, with this fan base. I mean, they, they I know. Just, yeah. I know. But no, I, so, and then I think, obviously, there's the whole trading down option, and I think if you're looking at it economically speaking, the trading down option is the one you go with because you have holes to fill, you don't have a ton of money, so how do you – Oh, 
wonder if my internet. Well, <laughs> what we're is good. it? We're good. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we we draw. I think my internet dropped out for a second. Go ahead. Oh no no no, you're good. Um, but yeah, no. So that what what I want the Falcons to do, I want them to draft Justin Fields. What do I think they will do? I have no earthly idea. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I mean, no one really knows. Um, and it was funny to reference Evan Birchfield's great interview with uh, Arthur Blank, which published this morning on the site. Uh, if you guys haven't read that yet, definitely check it out. What I've noticed is no matter no matter who reads it, you all, you come away from it believing whatever you thought before is definitely going to happen because I read it and I was like, oh, they're definitely taking a quarterback. I think uh, DW read it and was like, oh, they're taking Kyle Pitts. You know, so and I've heard comments about it too. It's like, oh yeah, he's definitely going to, he's definitely saying this. Uh, so it's just funny because it was intentionally vague. Obviously, Arthur Blank isn't going to give anything away, but uh, you know, I think they really could go in any direction. You're absolutely right. Um, part of it, like you said, is the value, right? If you get some sort of godfather trade offer that's just completely ridiculous, like I don't know how you could turn that down. Right. Um, so if that offer comes in, you probably have to take it. Um, and I agree with you also, like if Justin Fields falls past the 49ers and is there at four, I I personally could not pass on him. I, I would have to take him. He's my quarterback number two overall. I like him better than Lance and Zach Wilson and obviously Mac Jones uh, in case that wasn't clear to all you good people. But um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously the story would be awesome. Um, and I just love fields as the, pro- as a prospect period, but yeah, uh, I'd also be happy with Trey Lance, but yeah, we, we will see uh, what happens, but yeah, I agree with you that all of those options are potentially on the table, including Pitts. I would, I would understand it mostly because of Arthur Smith's propensity for tight ends, but right. uh, yeah, it's I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there either. Eric, I know you're itching to get your takes off, so why don't you go ahead as well? I mean, honestly, man, from, from day one, my ideal option would have been to trade down, of course, but everyone wants to do that, but it takes two to tango when it comes to that. Everyone, you, you can always want to trade down, but if a team doesn't want to give you the right compensation, you're not going to move. Um, so if they are... Um, forced to stay at four, I, I've been an individual that looked at it and said, hey, they can go a variety of ways here. Like there's no, I'm not I'm not one that's pounding the table and say they need to take Kyle Pitts or else. Like, no, they can, I can see, I can see Fields, I can see Lance, I can see Panay Sewell, I can see Kyle Pitts. And to an extent, I can see Jamar Chase as well, to be honest with you. I think the cards are on the table for, for just about a lot of prospects at four. And that was my whole agenda is trying to get everyone to see that. But of course you have that particular part of the fan base that feels like quarterback or nothing or defender or nothing or Kyle Pitts or nothing. And and I, I think they're looking at it completely wrong. Like you, yeah. you have to approach this first round with an open mind because this, this organization, they're looking at a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's what I like going off of that. That was something that I this is so this is my first NFL draft season that I've covered on this side of it. You know, I've been a college reporter for a few years now and mm-hmm. now covering it from this side where I'm doing mock drafts all the time. I'm thinking of all the different ways that the Falcons could go and what it means. And it's like if I have not gotten this much hate in, in years <laughs> because people are very passionate about their mock drafts and they're very mm-hmm. passionate about who they want the Falcons to take at number four, or what they want the Falcons to do at number four. And I just have to keep telling people all the time, it's like, y'all, this is just for fun. 
Like right. the Falcons are still trying to figure this out. Like they're yeah. still trying to break down all of their options. Right. Like we're just here to have fun and like mock drafts are kicks and giggles. So if I take Jamie Newman in the third round, it's for <laughs> kicks and giggles. It's not for anything else. Like, How I'm not dare you? That. I know. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not yeah. saying anything else. But I mean, truly, it's been really fun to see all of this. Really stressful because it, I feel like everybody else is like, oh, we know exactly what's going to happen. Like, right. with, with, and it's like. I have no earthly idea what the Falcons are going to do. (laughs) Some random, you know, John Doe knows who they're going to take. I I get it every day. Like, man, they're not going to do this. This is what they're going to do. Like, all right, sure. I guess you're in the war room with Fontenot. (laughs) Yeah, please share with us your knowledge because I would like to know who they're going to pick if you do. do, Based on on Evan's column, um, it kind of echoed what I was saying a long time ago about how you really have to look further down the road when it comes to certain positions. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I mentioned it in the group chat earlier today, the fact that they hired a rookie head coach and a rookie GM, to me, you look back at the history, those type of combinations usually get their quarterback very early yeah. in their tenure. Um, now they're lucky to come into a situation where they have a former MVP at quarterback here. But if it's not this year, it's probably going to be next. Like they're going to take their guy at some point. So some of the fan base has to understand that Matt Ryan era is going to come to an end pretty soon. So you might as well just swallow that pill now and get ready because it's going to happen. Um, but I, but I, I think right now, like I said, there's so much, so many options on the table, dude. Like I don't think they probably won't even know until they're on the clock. To be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Because it's going to depend so much on. San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and Tori brought up a good point as well about how their pick is really going to set a precedent as far as the outlook for the team going forward. So, that's yeah. important yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I want, I don't want to keep Tori too long because I know she's had a very long day and is very busy. But yeah, Tori, is there any other things that you wanted to share on the show? Anything that you want the fans to know uh, tonight before, before we uh, sign you off? Oh gosh. Um, I guess you can just, I guess I'll plug myself. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you can follow me um, and on Twitter. It's at Tori underscore McElhaney. Um, I've got a story running tomorrow about uh, looking at all the different teams that the Falcons could um, become trade partners with if they did decide mm-hmm. to trade that number four pick away and what type of offers they could be seeing from these different teams. I think I listed seven or eight teams. So um, could, could be fun. This is not me saying that the Falcons are going to trade down by any means, but this is a, Someone's going to read that and think. What do you? Are you? Oh, the breaking news: yeah. Tori, yeah. Tori McElhaney says that Someone's the Falcons are definitely that. trading down with eight different right. teams. Um, like that's so. what it is. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. So be on the lookout for that. We've got. I've got my seven round mock. My last seven round mock draft that'll be running <laughs> on Monday, and then we are pedal to the floorboard, and it's it's draft coverage, and so make yeah. sure everybody's following along for that. I know you guys will all be busy with that too, and um, anytime you want me to pop on. Post draft, I'm here yeah. to talk about this draft class and what it means. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, we, again, we really appreciate you coming on. Great guest, very knowledgeable. We appreciate the insider info and, of course, your own takes. Uh, once again, guys, she is Tori McElhaney at Tori underscore McElhaney on Twitter. Tori, once again, thank you for coming on, and we will talk to you again soon. I'm sure of it. 
Awesome. Sounds good. Y'all have a good night. Thank you. Take it easy. Yep. Have a good one. All right, guys. That was Tori McElhaney. Uh, great guest and very knowledgeable, as you guys can see, and has that that team hookup. And I can't wait to continue picking her brain throughout the offseason uh, and into training camp. So let's transition into uh, some more stuff. Uh, again, guys, if you don't mind, uh, please do like and subscribe. We really appreciate that. If you haven't yet checked out the Patreon page, want to support the show on a monthly basis, that is patreon.com slash Live. We appreciate everyone for uh, subscribing there. I do have a couple of patrons that I need to shout out. We had some new additions this month. First of all, I have Russell Tritt, uh, who is a supporter at the $10 a month level. Thank you so much, man. Um, we also have Thomas Childers, who is at the fan level, $5. Thomas, thank you so much, man, for your support. We appreciate you guys. Um, all right. So we also have a $5 donation from George Costanza. Who else? Show benefactor, George. Once again, man, thank you so much for your support. Um, he says, of course, it's about Kyle Pitts. You guys, I'm sure, could have guessed. Uh, so he says, I think when you draft Pitts, you could put just about any quarterback in that offense and they could become an all-pro. The only reason to draft a quarterback at four is if you don't believe the team will be competitive with Tampa Bay in the next two years and you want to win in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think a quarterback pick is certainly a, a longer-term focused move. Uh, he said, continues that I think Mond could be a pro bowler with Pitts and this offense around him. I mean, look, I, I'm not the biggest Mond fan, so I don't know if I would go that far. But um, yeah, I mean, let's let's break that down a little bit because it is... You know, obviously part of the show is dealing with these draft rumors. There's been a ton of smoke that, of course, the Falcons are all, you know, in love with Kyle Pitts. We've also got the reports that the Falcons are in on a quarterback that they want to trade, that they don't want to trade everything. So, you know, I, I do think like what George is saying has has some merit, right? I think a Kyle Pitts pick is a pick that's focused on winning in the nearer term. Because you're trying to maximize your window with Matt Ryan with that selection, whereas if you take a quarterback at four, your 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 focus ought, like immediately shifts to 2022 and beyond. But I think you can still win in the interim with that strategy. It's only one of your draft picks, after all. You still have you know eight other picks at minimum to make to help your team this year and next year and so on. But uh, Eric, I'll just let you have the floor because I know I know you have uh, stuff to say about this. So go ahead. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito
waiting for this draft to be over, man. Let's just let's just go ahead and simulate. <laughs> so, yeah, just super sim, super sim yeah. the, the next week. Yeah, I, there's not to me. I, I, regardless what direction they go, if they go with Panay Sewell, they you can look you can look at that and and say that they're trying to maximize a window. I mean, either direction that they go at four. You can they can still be able to get enough um, talent within this draft and compete this year. Like I, I'm not I'm not looking at whatever they do at four as like man, if that that pick alone is going to you know tell the whole story about the entire draft for them. They have eight other picks. They can very well trade down in round two and get an extra two or three picks, and then and then what? You know, like it's, I don't, again, I can see them go in various directions. Now, I will make this statement saying that you can put any quarterback in with that talent and he'll be an all pro. That is, that is a statement I will never make because you can't just put just any quarterback. I mean, we thought Trubisky was going to be a great quarterback because he had Allen Robinson and, and Jimmy Graham and, and, what happened? He's he's gone. It's just you you can't. The quarterback makes the weapons, not vice versa. The yeah. weapons don't make the quarterback. Right, because like look at Travis Kelsey for example. Like before Mahomes got there, Travis Kelsey was a very good tight end, but he wasn't looked at as this top of the NFL caliber player with exactly. Alex Smith. Like exactly. it took Mahomes getting there for Kelsey to become the clear cut. Right. Number and one tight end. And Kelsey was always a really good tight end, but like if the if the quarterback if the weapons make the quarterback, how come New England stuck with Tom Brady for twenty plus years and they just rotated receivers all the time? I mean, they went from Troy Brown to Deion Branch to Randy Moss to Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, uh Wes Welker, Chad Ochocinco, but the one constant was Brady because it's you, you it's not the weapons that make the quarterback, it's vice versa. So you can't I, – I, I can't sit here and say they can have all these weapons and Blaine Gabbert is going to be an all-pro. <laughs> that's not going to be the case, guys. Like, we're – let's yeah. not let's not go that route. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a little bit of a stretch. Like, Kyle Pitts, I think, will be a very good tight end. But, like, if – you know, it, it depends on the situation more than anything. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it, it, it – I don't think you can just expect – Pitts to elevate the quarterback he's with to, to an all pro level, maybe like a pro bowl level you could get to with some of these guys, but all pro there's like one all pro quarterback right. period. Right. And then there's one second team, all pro quarterback. That's it. So, you know, there's not very many of those guys every year. So <laughs> that's maybe a little bit, you know, and, a little and bit I, aggressive. And I, and I think, I think all three of us are in the same boat where we're not going to be discouraged at all by whichever direction they go right like if they yeah. go to school i think we're going to be like okay great pick they're getting help from matt ryan if they go pitts we'll be fine if they go one of the quarterbacks with fields or lance they'll be fine all of us are on the same page with that right guys yeah 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 are, yeah are you for on, me yeah. yeah go ahead oh sorry Kevin. It's fine. um for me it's like a it, it just kind of like today is Wednesday. So uh, today's Kyle Pitts day tomorrow. I'll be on the Justin Fields bandwagon. Like I can be talked into any of these picks because they all make sense. Like that's why I don't get the bashing on Twitter and wherever else um, or in comments or whatever 
attacking like you're wrong. Like nobody's wrong. All of these players uh, are worthy of going that high. That's why they're even being talked about. So if the Falcons do go Kyle Pitts, um, I do, you know, like we've been saying all offseason, we don't fully know these new, the new regime because they are a new regime and they haven't been like in vocal positions in the past, especially not Terry Fontenot. Um, so if I had to decipher it and pretend they go Kyle Pitts, I'm thinking that Arthur Smith has come up the ranks. He saw how Mariota was a top pick and did it go well. He saw what he was able to do with Ryan Tannehill, who was basically booted out of Miami and who I think it was also a first round pick, but didn't have the expectations that Mariota obviously had. And maybe he thinks I can, if I can do this with Tannehill, like I don't need to have a top guy. I can get somebody in the second or third round and turn him into like a productive quarterback who, you know, Tannehill wasn't, he's not an amazing quarterback or anything, but in Arthur Smith's system, he wasn't a problem. And that's what you want too at the quarterback position. You don't want the guy like Jameis Winston uh, for Tampa two years ago. Their biggest problem was, yeah, he was throwing touchdowns, but he had like 30 interceptions and they still went like seven and nine. And then you insert Brady, who's not turning the ball over. And all of a sudden, Brady wasn't the best quarterback ever last year. He had a great defense, but he also wasn't turning the ball over a tremendous lot. So now I think with Arthur Smith, if he goes Kyle Pitts, you're talking about, okay, next year, who, who's in like – and that's assuming they don't go like Kellen Mond or something this year. I'm, I'm with you, Eric, where I think it's better to just punt that till next year if that's the route they go. Um, but – you know, next year. Okay, let's pretend uh, the Texans and the Bears are pick one and two, and they need a quarterback because both teams you could see needing a quarterback. They're not going to trade with the Falcons. I don't care how many picks the Falcons have. If they need a quarterback and they believe uh, who's who's some of the top. I know Howell or whatever from UNC is probably a projected Vincent top quarterback. Uh, Keaton Slovis out of USC. Yeah, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, depending on the type of season he has. JT Daniels out of Georgia is another one as well. So there's going to be a nice collection of quarterbacks. But I'll be quite honest with you, it may be mm-hmm. it may be the same picture we're looking at that we're looking at this year. You may just have four or five top guys, and then there's an immediate drop off. So right. hypothetically, with your situation, you say the Falcons win. Nine, ten games this year. Let's just throw that out there. Mm-hmm. And in the twenties, they're going to pick twenty. Yeah, because that seems like a fair spot. But, so they're going to have to go from twenty until all the way up until what the top ten, five, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... or they're praying that one of those guys falls to them and it's the guy they want. Right. right. See, that's such a gamble. I, I mean, I like today. Like I said, today's Wednesday. I'm all about Kyle Pitts. So to me, that's like okay. Well, hopefully they're doing their homework on that. Yeah. But the argument for the quarterback is obviously you're not going to be in a better spot where you're not giving up the farm to get somebody who, you know, I've been, I've stated it before, like I'm not a draft expert or anything. That's Eric's field and Kevin's field. But if, do you believe that any of those quarterbacks, I know it's super early too, but the quarterbacks next year compared to this year's class, like, if Justin Fields for some somehow was able or Trey Lance was somehow able to be in next year's class, would they be He's the top, top of the board? <laughs> I mean, at this point, absolutely, Fields would be the number one quarterback next year. I don't even think right. it's particularly close. 
Um, Like, I mean, I think Spencer Rattler has some potential, obviously, to to be a big riser, um, but he is not a traditionally sized quarterback, so he's going to have to deal with that stigma. Yeah. Um, Maybe um, Desmond Ritter might have, if he has another really good season this year, he could be one of the top names. But again, like... I, I I said this to my wife the other day, and then I decided I like the phrase. A, a franchise quarterback in the hand is worth two potential franchise quarterbacks in the bush, okay? So, like, if you have a guy that you like who's available right now, you should just take him. Like, <laughs> don't be like, well, maybe next year we could see if these guys pan out or something. But if if they're in the position where they're going to be considering a potential franchise quarterback in 2022, they should just take the guy now. If assuming the one they want is there at four. We don't know who they want. Maybe they want Fields only or Lance only, and they may not be there. So, I, I don't. I don't mind taking Pitts or Sewell. I don't like the idea of oh, we can just get a quarterback in the later rounds, or we can just wait till twenty twenty two to get a quarterback. You don't know what the class is going to look like next year. Because I, what if, what if, what if Rattler and Howell don't declare? What if they stay in school for another year? Right. And what if they just all of a sudden suck? What if they have you It's never, happened before. You never know. So you can't sit here yeah. and say, man, it's fine. We can just wait to 2023. Well, tell me who the 2023 quarterback's going to be. You have no clue. I, I, it, it wasn't that long ago, guys, that EJ Manuel was the top quarterback. Oh, God. In the quarterback class a few years back. There were some dark seasons. Yeah. The, dark seasons. And there were some I, dark seasons. I don't, I don't want to gamble with that, man. That's, that's just because that could set your franchise back 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, why this whole thing's interesting. Uh, I'm bad at cutting you off, Kevin. I, it's I okay. Go for, um, it, Evan. Go for it, buddy. <laughs> I, I don't talk often, but when I do, it's cutting Kevin off. Um, that's why I think the important, you know, there's so much that we're going to find out. Like once, once the pick is made, it's like, we're going to know so much about what this team is going forward. And that's why for me, if it is Pitts, it tells me that Arthur Smith is confident in his ability to get a quarterback who isn't a top guy and I think that's going to lay out the plan probably for the next year or two. Um, maybe they wait till, you know, 2023 to get like a late round quarterback or something. I mean, it's a risk. Or maybe he goes with the Ryan Tannehill game plan and just gets a veteran or something later on. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, maybe he sees Kyle Pitts as his Derrick Henry, obviously different positions. But if Kyle Pitts has the ability to be that dominant at his position, which I believe he absolutely does have that ability, um, because Derrick Henry's a freak, and I think Kyle Pitts has the ability to be a freak at his position, maybe that's what he's thinking. I don't know. That's the problem. We don't we don't really know these guys. And, yeah. and, it's, it's, and it's interesting going back to your article too, because Arthur Blank clearly stated that mm-hmm. you better have a plan in place. So that's his, that's his number one thing. And he was, he was talking about business, but you couldn't help notice how he, he didn't say quarterback, but it's just like, that's where my brain went. I know everybody was like Kevin said at the top of the show, everybody was kind of picking their, uh, whatever they, they confirmed your priorities. Yeah. yeah. But as somebody who has no horse in this race, like I'm fine with whatever they do, like you were saying there, um, I saw it as a quarterback just because of the regime. He was talking about a regime, um, which I know some people said Julio, but that's not really a regime change. That's just a dominant player, <laughs> most dominant player in your 
history, but we have Calvin Ridley. Um, to me, regime change was the quarterback position because before that, we already talked about the head coaches and GMs. The way he was t- speaking to me, it was quarterback, which, you know, it, that's the other thing people uh, need to understand too. Arthur Blank, he said all that, but also he was honest about letting the experts do their job. He's not Jerry Jones where he's going to get involved. Both things can be true. Arthur Blank can love the quarterbacks and want a quarterback, and they could draft Kyle Pitts and, and because he's he's trusting them, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think that's something that needs to be out there too, that like he could be, you know, love one of these quarterbacks, could be one that ends up taken like Justin Fields. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Terry and Arthur, uh, Arthur Smith are going to do that. Yeah. Right. I agree with you. Like, and I definitely want to get, you know, pick your brain about that interview some more as well, because that was a great interview. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said. Like I, for fans that don't know, like Arthur Blank is not the type of owner that's going to insert himself into the draft process. And if you read, I do definitely encourage you guys to read the article. Like Blank sits in on the meetings because he's interested, but he doesn't necessarily participate and that he's not like, well, I think we need to do this or that. Or like, what do you guys think about doing this? Like he's there to support them. And like, he will obviously give his opinions if he has them. But I, I believe Arthur blank hires his people because he trusts them to do the right thing, period. So I don't think Arthur blank is going to intercede whatsoever in the process, but I wouldn't be shocked if what blank wants and what, Arthur Smith slash Terry Fontenot want is the same thing because Arthur Blank did just hire these people months ago. So I doubt their philosophies for the team differ very much at this point. They may at some point in the future still, but um, at this point, I feel like they're probably all relatively close to each other. But yeah, Evan. um, Can I add one quick thing too? Yeah, yeah. You know, you can disagree and also go with somebody like when we're doing the mock drafts um, like three episodes ago or two episodes ago, you know, and, and let's say, you know, when Eric was picking, I I can't remember, but if Eric was picking a certain player and I thought somebody else, Eric can talk me in, like, I'm, I'm not going to be like, no, this is the guy I want. And that's how their relationship could be. He could trust, you know, Arthur could trust Terry or Terry could trust Arthur's word and go with that decision. Even if they don't fully agree because that's compromising and that's, you know, a healthy relationship and partnership. So, right. yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's good. To, I, I, good I think, and I think that's, that's what it is with, with blank. Uh, you know, like you, you mentioned, if they, if they go pits, it's he's, I think he'll be fine with it, but I, I think he above all is what he wants to have a concrete plan in place for the next few years, because these are critical years for this team because they are transitioning. They're going to be in the middle of a transition and, and saying, Oh, we'll just get a quarterback when we need one is not a plan. That's not a plan that, that Blake is going to, is going to be fine with. Um, Cause you got to keep in mind, he, he dealt with the handoff from Vic to Matt Ryan. And it only really, it, they only have it was really only one year mm-hmm. of, of bad football in between. And I think he's fortunate enough to have that type of situation where he didn't have to draft two or three quarterbacks in order to finally get his guy. I think he was fortunate enough to have that. And I think he kind of sort of wants to replicate that a little bit at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that take. Like I, I would not be surprised if 
you know, he got his taste of quarterback purgatory and was like, I'm good on that after just yeah. one season. Um, yeah. And I, I wonder about Terry Fontenot's experience with that as well, because he was there with the Saints when they just kept kind of putting off quarterback every year. Right. Um, and like uh, we brought it up in the Falcoholic group chat that uh, a couple of years ago when the Saints traded up for Marcus Davenport, we were all terrified that it was for Lamar Jackson. And we were like, oh, man, that would be a great pick. Like, this is yeah. terrifying. And it was for Marcus Davenport. And then we just laughed because we were yeah. like, wow, yeah. they screwed up. Like they just traded and made this huge trade. Right knowing full well that Drew Brees was on the decline to try to maximize that window even further. And I wonder if the, the way that that played out and that the saints were not successful and now they're in a place where they're not necessarily in a position to get another quarterback. And they're kind of having to make do with cast offs and just trying to find something between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, how that affected his thought process. And if that will weigh into his, his thought process with the Falcons. So I yeah, Eric, go ahead. Yeah. I guarantee you he mentioned that. I guarantee you he looked at that situation because yeah, you know, they they won a division the past three years or whatever. You know, they got to some NFC title games, but ultimately they they never even made it to the ultimate destination. They never even made it to the Super Bowl. So how can we look at that plan and say, oh, it worked? I, I how do we know Fontenot is even looking at that plan and saying, man, it worked. So let's just ride the old quarterback for years until we get to the promised land. Again, you and you brought it up, man. He's been so tied to one quarterback for 15 years or whatever. He might be in a situation where he's like, man, look, I'm ready to draft my guy and get him developed. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. And there's like a lot of reasons. And Tyler Russell's bringing up some good points. And I do want to... Um, I know George donated as well. George, we're going to get to to the rest of your take, I promise. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to to address what Tyler's saying and to kind of address what it's relevant, like the Saints were much better even in this decline with Drew Brees than the Falcons were over the past couple, couple years. No one's discounting that, but mm-hmm. they're going to deal with the consequences of that style of running a team. Um, they're going to deal with it this year and they're going to deal with for several more years because of the void years with Drew Brees, um, where they're going to have this reduced cap and they're they're kind of stuck in a situation where maybe they're not going to have a shot at a quarterback without giving up massive resources. But I guess the thing that I would bring up is that I don't, and this is addressing Kyle Pitts mostly, but I don't think the Falcons were a four and twelve team last year because of their lack of offensive weapons. They have more than enough weapons. Hayden Hurst is more than serviceable at tight end. doesn't take anything away from Kyle Pitts, who would be arguably the best weapon at tight end in the league. But the Falcons offense, I think, will improve more from the addition of Arthur Smith and, of course, the subtraction of Dirk Cutter than it would from the addition of Kyle Pitts. Um, I think the Falcons have more than enough weapons to be a top three offense without Kyle Pitts. Um, So I don't think it's necessary to take Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is the ultimate luxury pick and that he is a game changer, but is he really going to seriously move the needle for a team like the Falcons who already are just chock full of offensive weapons? And obviously Julio's on the decline. And I, I, I totally understand people who are thinking like, Oh, Pitts is the eventual Julio replacement and that he's like a dynamic number one, potential Hall of Fame style threat. And I get that, but I don't think 
the Falcons are needing a Kyle Pitts to get back to the playoffs. Um, I think the addition of Arthur Smith is what they needed. And by extension, getting rid of Dirk Cutter, who you're saying that a lot of people are not, they're, they're overlooking the factor of coaching itself. Yeah. That, that new staff can make a considerable difference this year in a couple wins in two or three wins. I mean, it's just, yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I, I don't think we're really looking at the fact that they got a pretty solid staff here, and that these guys are going to do, they're going to do good as well. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm excited about it. And, and like, none of these takes are wrong. Like, none of us are saying if the Falcons were to take Kyle Pitts at four, that's the wrong move. I want to make that clear. Like, if you guys, some of you I know want Kyle Pitts at four, totally reasonable. Um, I think there's a lot of ways you could justify it and you could say this is the best move for the Falcons to try to get them a Super Bowl and I wouldn't disagree I think obviously we've been talking about it quarterback at four also there's a lot of reasons why that could be the best move for the team long term and then a trade down if the trade down is enough value back there's a lot of good reasons why that could work so it's not people are getting very testy and like very entrenched and like one is necessarily the answer they could all be the answer Right. They're not all the right answer, and they won't all pan out as the right answer. Right. Um, but they are all reasonable. So let's like you know we're not trying to argue against any of these things. But right. um, I, I guess I would disagree with what some people are saying in that a quarterback is like more likely to bust than someone like Kyle Pitts or Panay Sewell. It's it's I don't know why you would think that. Like just like maybe. It, I think people just assume quarterbacks are more likely to bust because they because it's more visible when it happens, right? If a team takes a quarterback top five and they suck, everyone in the whole league is going to know about it. So You guys remember Cam Robinson, <laughs> who went second overall to the Rams? Yeah. yeah. You guys remember Robert Gallery, who went second overall to the Raiders? What about Jason, Jason Smith that went top three to the Rams as well? Yeah. Like, it happens. Like, teams yeah. miss. Um, yes, man. Yeah, teams miss. So, like, there are no 100% safe prospects. And I, I, you know, I understand people like Kyle Pitts is very unlikely to be an absolute bust. He might not be like a Hall of Fame tight end, but I think he's likely to be at worst like a serviceable number one tight end. But don't you think he has to be? I mean, to justify a top five pick, that's the thing with the Kyle Pitts pick, right? To justify that selection, especially over a potential franchise quarterback, if you want to talk about it like that, he has to be that level difference maker to justify it. So I'm not saying he can't do it. He very well could. He's definitely the best tight end prospect I've scouted in recent memory. Um, But important to note that. Um, And another thing that we should definitely touch on is the fact that you can get a court and this ties into what we were talking about earlier, right? With teams, you know, what do we, we don't know what's going to happen with next year's quarterback class. There's always going to be guys that come out of nowhere. The quarterback class is always going to add names and names are going to drop out. So, you know, we don't know about next year, but it could be, it could be better than expected. It could be worse. Um, look at the situation for teams that are quarterback needy that aren't picking in the top five. Uh, this is a historically good quarterback class. We're probably going to see four quarterbacks taken in the top five picks back to back to back for the first time in NFL history. Um, and 
even with this historically good class where we're seeing four quarterbacks who might all legitimately be worthy of top five picks in this deep class at the top, if you're not in the top five, you're not getting one. The Panthers are picking at eight and they are SOL. They have no chance to get one and they had to go after a tertiary option. The Bronx and the 49ers had to trade two firsts and will be spending obviously a third first as well, the number three pick, on just to get one of the options. So I don't think folks recognize how rare this opportunity is to get this quarterback, assuming you like him. That's obviously the assumption we're making when we say this. To get one of these top five caliber quarterbacks without a massive trade up, without having to engineer, without having to get lucky. Like this is falling into your lap. One first round pick, one. It's rare. And it's it's not going to happen again unless you're really bad. And then we have a whole other set of issues. It's costing them absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like you mentioned with the Panthers, the Panthers had a clear plan this offseason. Their, their option one was Deshaun Watson. Well, that went to shit. Really quick. Okay. <laughs> Their second option was to what? Let's trade up. Well, the one team that we want to trade up with is in the same division as us. So now they have to settle for getting Sam Darnold. Like that's 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 the point we were trying to make. Like you cannot sit here and assume you're gonna get a quarterback when you want. It doesn't yeah. always happen. It doesn't, yeah. And also welcome in uh, relevant to the conversation, noted Matt Ryan hater Adnan Ikic, uh, right in the middle of our quarterback discussion. Adnan, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> Got the Twizzler. Excellent. I've only come on to enjoy this. When this Twizzler gets eaten, I'm getting off. Yeah, I'm, he's got to stick to his his you know principles here. Once yeah, the Twizzler's gone, so I'm in for like ten or fifteen minutes tonight. Uh, you know, just popping in to uh, enjoy Twizzler and to. Talk about um, Mac Jones at number four. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Thank you for that. Uh, no, for that no, nightmare. Hey, by the way, bro, I did not know this man Evan is out here just like, fro- just surprisingly, you know, interviewing Arthur Blank, breaking Kyle Pitt stories. Man, man is just putting in the work. Right hey, did, you, did you see how he broke the news? He was like, oh, yeah, that is right. I had an interview with Arthur Blank. Oh, yeah. By the way, guys, I uh, spoke with Arthur, <laughs> Arthur Blank this morning. Yeah. Wait, what? What? <laughs> he, just casually, he just casually mentioned his interview with Arthur Blank in our group chat. He's like, yeah, I'm interviewing Arthur Blank today. Dude, I hopped in the group chat. And I was like, when did Evan interview Blank? Did anyone know this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, they, my, my article uh, interviewing Arthur Blank, that's been submitted. It's uh, It's ready for review. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Just take a look at that whenever you get a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Obviously, we're going to continue singing Evan's praises throughout the show. Um, He's the guy. But, yeah. That man's been busting his ass lately, man. He has. He has. Yeah. Well, uh, Adnan, while we have you, I wanted to get your takes on uh, Corderell Patterson and Deron Harmon. We heard from from Tori and everyone else, but I wanted to give you a chance to weigh in on those signings too. A plus. I love it. I love both signings. Uh, Harmon, there was that report that he actually went to the Falcons himself <laughs> and he said, hey, come sign me. We need the safety depth. Um, Cordero Patterson is the best returner this team has had since Andre Roberts, objectively. Uh I know Roberts didn't really do much, but I blame Keith Armstrong more for that than anything else. Remember, Roberts became, what, a two- or three-time Pro Bowler after he left the Falcons? 
He was a pro bowler at least two straight years. Um, yeah, Patterson is going to be able to, to really boost that return game. And that return game is uh, something that the Falcons really haven't had. They definitely didn't have it last year. I think we're near uh, near the bottom of the league mm-hmm. return yardage on average. And Cordero Patterson, I think, has the highest like yes. ever punt return like uh, on average. Yeah, he has, I think, over 30 yards per average kick return. Uh, in the NFL. Yeah, so. Eric Weems didn't have 30 total yards in his last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild, man. Yeah, uh, I am curious. If we ever get a chance to interview Coral Patterson, I need to ask him why he doesn't return punts. Because, like, I don't know why you wouldn't just let him return punts. But he's returned one punt in his entire NFL career. So if I ever get a chance, I'm going to make sure to ask him why he doesn't return punts. Yeah, I mean, Evan, just uh, just set him up for, the, for us next week. Yeah, spoiler alert, guys. We're getting you know, Coral Patterson on. Evan probably interviewed him already, too. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, got to like, save some. I, I did reach out, so we'll see. Oh, yeah, I was going to reach out, but I was like, I bet Evan already did, so I'm just going to wait. Already on his <laughs> yeah. Well, he yeah. has a contact on his website, so there's at least a chance that we could get in contact with him. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, with Harmon, I think this uh, going into the offseason, I looked at safety as like we have to drop to safety in the first two rounds, like mm. period. We don't have any safeties. Now it's like, yes, I'd still like a safety in the draft, but you don't have to. Like you don't have to spend a second or third rounder on a safety. You'll be fi- you can be fine going into next next season with the safety group we have now. It's not ideal. Like uh, I'm not saying that we have like the legion of boom or anything out uh in our secondary but if you want to spend some of those picks th- this is the recipe for going true bpa at this point yeah yeah fill out your roster with very cheap very good free agents veteran free agents and i think right now the crop of free agents left bec- and this has to do with covid like uh the salary cap contracting the crop of free agents left over after that initial surge is better than I ever remember in the NFL right now. Like there are some really, really good veteran free agents out there. And, you know, teams like the Falcons are benefiting off of that because we didn't have that big money to spend right away. So now, now we're making these smart, cheap signings, which are pretty much no risk and which the reward is at the very least pretty moderate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're filling out your roster with some good players. I mean, Mike Davis, Ron Harmon, uh, Eric Jose, uh, Eric, it's not Eric Harris. Sorry, mm-hmm. my uh, at safety. And now you don't have to go into the draft thinking, all right, I have to get a safety by this. I have to get this running back. I have to do this. And they can go in, and it's like, all right, um, sure, maybe we don't need this uh, linebacker, uh, but he's fallen. Uh, on the draft boards and he's there in the second or third round and now we can go straight bpa and now we can really enhance our team and you know our team is going to be better for it as opposed to oh we really really need a safety so instead of going that bpa we have to take the safety because the safety class starts dropping off just as an example so i love the approach from Fontenot and company in his first offseason as the falcons general manager and you know, I, I think he's uh he's played his cards very well so far. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I had the same exact takeaway that you did. That outside of maybe offensive line, you know, depending on how big of a fan you are of like uh, Josh Andrews, um, 
they basically have made it so they don't desperately need a particular position at any time. Obviously, they still need edge help. They still need corner help. They still need safety help. They still need running back help. They really need offensive line help. I think maybe that's the one you could say that they really do need to come away with a day two offensive lineman at, at minimum. Um, but they've they've maneuvered themselves so they have that flexibility. Like if they get to the second round and Creed Humphreys there, they don't have to feel like they have to take an edge rusher there because they have nobody on their death threat. They had to take a safety there because they have nobody on their death threat. They could, they could take Creed Humphrey there uh, if they want to. Um, you know, in the third round, we were basically always penciling in a safety there for the longest time because it was like, they can't get out of day two without a safety. They don't have a start. They don't have a free safety starter. All they have is Eric Harris. Now with Deron Harmon, you have two starting safeties. Um, you know, maybe they're not the best starting safeties in the NFL, but they're they're certainly capable. And like, you know, Jalen Hawkins as the third safety, that's not the worst thing in the world. TJ Green is somewhat intriguing as like a former undrafted free agent. So like you add you could add a, a day three safety now. You know, James Wiggins is is my my guy. Um so if you can get him in the fourth round, that's a great value. Um Maybe you have the flexibility to take a running back in the third round if you need one, but you don't have to because you have Mike Davis and Corral Patterson. You could wait until day three there as well. So they just have a lot more flexibility with these moves, and I, I agree 100% that it's it's very it's a good sign because they're not desperate for these players the way that they were just a couple of days ago. Um, so excited to see what, what they do with best player available there. Um now that it's a little bit more of an option. Um, but yeah, I know to, to get back, we were mid, you know, deep in the quarterback versus Kyle Pitts versus other discussion. Uh, Don, and have your thoughts on that changed at all over the past week? No, my, my thoughts on that are completely locked in. My thoughts haven't changed for a few months on quarterback. I still stand firmly behind Matt Ryan has this noodle arm that we have. <laughs> yes. No, I'm, I'm buying into the brand at this point. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Lance, Justin feels like you have your opportunity. Grab your quarterback right now. And it's the same drum I'm going to be beating over and over until the draft, which has felt like, you know, this entire draft process has felt like an eternity because draft season started in October this year. Uh, the earliest possible it can start, because this team started off 0-5, so then we really started, you know, kind of talking about the draft. And now at this point, it's just like, all right, it's it's time to get it over with. It's time, you, you know, next Thursday really can't get here soon enough. But, yeah, go grab a Justin Fields, go grab a Trey Lance, and don't worry about the most important position in sports for the next decade. I understand Kyle Pitts is, could potentially be an all-pro tight end. He's a generational prospect even though I think that word gets thrown around, you know, far too often to actually mean what it does. But Kyle Pitts legitimately looks like he can be a generational type tight end. And it sucks to pass up on that. But, you know, sometimes if you have, uh, sometimes if you have a lot of money, like, you know, a lot of disposable income at your disposal right now, you kind of want to pay off the light bill instead of buying that new, like, luxury <laughs> watch. Like this team, yeah, the the bills are going to be passed due after Matt Ryan leaves. And, you know, you, you want to make sure you have a roof over your head and you want to make sure you have heat over the winter as opposed to having like, you, you know, a lot of swag. 
So that that's the metaphor I'm going to use with with quarterback. So definitely, um, I, I'm completely all in. If if Justin Fields is there at four, I would run to the podium. If Trey Lance is there at four and Justin Fields is gone to San Francisco, I would take Trey Lance. And if neither of those are I mean, one of them is going to be available unless assuming the Jets don't do something crazy. Yeah. yeah. Assuming the Jets don't like, yeah, make the right decision and draft Justin Fields. But, you know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely uh, I'm completely I'm completely all in on taking the quarterback at four. And I mean, if they if they trade back and grab like three first rounders, I really couldn't be mad at that. Yeah. No one's going to be mad at that. And like no one's going to be mad at Kyle Pitts either. Like. That would be really fun. And like maybe we could see Yeah, and maybe we could see this really special offense reemerge with Arthur Smith coming in and Kyle Pitts here. I think that's totally on the table as well. But yeah, I mean I, the the interesting thing about it is like the team has gone out of its way to make it unclear what they're doing, but I think if you really parse the free agent moves, like this is a free agency period that has gone basically to the utmost extreme to not mortgage the future to make this about these are all one-year deals like other than mike davis they didn't sign any of these other free agents to a multi-year deal um so they're basically in a holding pattern right now and i think like if they were to take kyle pitts they'd probably start adding pieces after free agency you know we'll see grady jarrett's contract extension get done and then maybe you know maybe maybe try turner who's still out there as a free agent maybe they they sign him to multi-year deal to solidify the offensive line and then we see them kind of kick it into gear to try to get this you know more as a win now sort of situation but right now with all these one-year deals it's like i mean it seems to me like they're they're trying to set themselves up for flexibility in future years, you know, to either re-sign some of these guys, let them walk and get more picks, that sort of thing. Um, but man, I just, I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to pass on Justin Fields or Trey Lance with that, when you can just take them by sitting where you are at four, spending one first round pick. Like we haven't even talked about how Bro, obvious, how yeah, go ahead. Would, I'm sorry, but how many teams would kill for this opportunity? To just be able to grab your next quarterback. Like, this doesn't just happen. This doesn't, it happened for the Colts. It happened for the Packers. Carolina would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Carolina. Yeah. I mean, Carolina had this idea of last year. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll just, you know, stopgap quarterback and we'll, we'll figure it out next year. And I mean, look how that's turning out for them. Uh, but yeah, on that note, my Twizzler has been eaten. And, you know, I have to run. I will catch you guys again next Wednesday. <laughs> All right. So, Thanks, Adnan, uh, for coming in, man. We uh, appreciate it. Uh, we will be doing the draft uh, the draft special yep. on Thursday, Friday, and, you know, potentially on Saturday. Spoiler. Yes, it is. It is. Yes, it is uh, confirmed. You know, thanks for stealing my thunder, Adnan. No, no uh, we, we will be doing day three this year, guys. Uh, live show. So, you know, surprise. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Good night, fellas. Yep. Thanks, Adnan. He is at Say Which Way, guys. Make sure you give him a follow. So, yes. So, one thing I do want to touch on real quick uh, in the same vein as these other things is that obviously taking a quarterback at four is a risk. I think some people probably assume it's more of a risk than taking like a Kyle Pitts or any other player at four. Like if, if any of those players busts, you're obviously screwed. So like you made a big mistake. Like it's not like if it's Fields and Fields doesn't pan out, it's any worse necessarily than Kyle Pitts and Pitts doesn't pan out or Panay Sewell ends up being a bust. Like if you miss on your your number four pick, it's bad universally. So I think feeling like the quarterback is like 
a worse miss. It's just more visible. It's not necessarily like it's worse, but think about it this way. The Falcons take Justin Fields or Trey Lance at four and they don't work out. Say you go into 2022, you don't like what you've seen so far. They don't have to move on from Matt Ryan. They're not forced to kick him off the team. Like if they don't think the the new guy is ready or they're not convinced, they're like, oh, we're having second thoughts. You just keep Ryan and you flip the quarterback in a few years or you hope he does eventually pan out. And obviously it's not ideal because you didn't get the rookie contract benefit. You didn't get all these things, but it's not a disaster. You know, all you did was blow your top five pick. And like that could happen with any position, not just a quarterback. Um, the risk is obviously there, but think about the risk compared to what the 49ers are having to do for their quarterback. They have now traded away the the, the top of their draft for the next two freaking years just to get the same chance that the Falcons have. So if their quarterback isn't a top 10 guy, let's not even say he's like average. If he's not a huge upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo, that is a complete disaster because you've screwed yourself for the next several years. It's not just you missed on a pick. You missed on three picks minimum, and that's not even counting all the other stuff they had to throw in. So it's actually less of a risk for the Falcons because they don't have to mortgage anything. They get a shot. They get to fire one shot, and if it hits, it's hitting the jackpot. You hit the bullseye, and if it misses... You fired one shot, and yeah, it was a golden bullet, but like, you know, we we had like eight other bullets to shoot too, and then we have next year's golden bullet too. Like, it's not as big of a risk as it is for, for teams that have to make these massive trades, and that's part of the reason that it's such an enticing opportunity because it's not associated with the same level of, like, if you screw this up, you're getting fired, uh, and your team is probably screwed. Uh, so I don't know. I, I just, that's, that's kind of how, where my head is at with that. But I, I, I've been talking a lot, so I want to give you guys an opportunity to, to give your thoughts as well on the whole process. Like I said, man, I'm ready for it to be done. To be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think you've said that yet. Yeah. I'm just, I, I, the back and forth about who's the right player, who's not the right player trying to get people to understand that this team is seriously looking at quarterbacks and offensive linemen and tight ends. Like they're not narrowing themselves down to one player. And I don't know why people continue to have this mindset. Even with Arthur Blank's statement, there's still individuals out there who believe that the team is not looking at quarterbacks whatsoever. All right, whatever. Sure. If you feel that way, but this team is seriously looking at everything across the board. Man. That's that's all we're trying to do here. We're trying to have individuals to keep an open mind and not be so, you know, so tunnel vision on one prospect and thinking that that's the only prospect that's going to, you know, they're going to pick and that's the only prospect that's going to make this a good draft for the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Very good point indeed. Now I got to make sure to read George's $3 donation again. George, thank you so much. I uh, forgot to read it earlier. Um, so yeah, he wanted to clarify that he doesn't think Mond is like this great prospect. So, you know, when he said that he could be an all pro, he was kind of, you know, being a little bit hyper- hyperbolic there. But um, he does mention that he really likes Peyton Ramsley. Peyton Ramsey as a potential uh, day three sleeper at quarterback. Um, he's just trying to say that with Julio, Calvin, and Kyle Pitts. 
Uh, and if you add, you know, an impact running back to that group either. Also, like this has the potential to be a top three offense in the league that should be able to compete with Tampa Bay on offense. And like, I agree, like they could. Um, so that's why the Kyle Pitts at four is a very intriguing addition because if Arthur Smith is who you think he is and you add Kyle Pitts to that group, like, yes, you should be expecting a top five offense at minimum and hopefully one that's competing. So like that is absolutely on the table. Um, and I think that's a reasonable take, George, to think that they should be competitive in terms of offensive firepower Tampa Bay. Where the problem is is defense, right? I don't think they're on par with Tampa Bay's defense at this point. Um, maybe they could be in a few more years. But, um, look, playoff single elimination, you know, anything can happen. But, um, yeah, I, I, I there's a lot of questions and, and, and comments going out about quarterback and other things. So I, I want to try to get to them. I know GGG is saying that he doesn't think we're, we have the luxury to draft a quarterback at four to sit for two years. And he thinks it's too much money to throw away um, with, with, I assume he means like cutting or trading Matt Ryan. And if they draft fields or lands at four, the plan would be for them, for that guy to start in 2022. Um, I know Matt Ryan has a ton of dead money. Trust me. I know um, that will not stop the Falcons from moving on. If they think field slash Lance is ready to start, they will do it. Then they will bite the bullet on Ryan and, and move on then. Um, now the, the flip side of that is unlike what's happened in new Orleans with Drew Brees, where they're, they're going to be suffering a slow bleeding of like 10 to 20 million in cap every year for the next like three years because of how far they've pushed off Brees's cap. Um, the Falcons would, would move if the Falcons were to trade Matt Ryan or cut him post or pre June 1st, they would eat all of the dead cap in 2022. They would suck it all up, take that big cap hit, still save $8 million somehow. Um, so they would actually gain, still gain cap space, obviously not a ton, but it would be something. Um, and then you start over with your new quarterback. You, you would start seeing the benefit of that rookie contract in 2023, where you would all of a sudden save, you know, 40 million plus on quarterback. So saying that they're going to have to wait two years is not necessarily accurate. Now they may choose to do that. If said quarterback is not ready. Um, if Ryan is just playing like a super God and is like NFL MVP and that sort of thing, um, you know, then yeah, maybe you just decide, look, we're just going to ride it out with Ryan another year. And it's, that's not a crisis either. Like, then you can move on from Ryan in 2023, save like 20 or 30 million or trade him then to another team, probably get premium picks if he's playing at that sort of caliber. Yeah, I, don't, um, I, don't, you know. I don't understand how some people are already dead set on the fact that Matt Ryan is going to be here for another two, three, four years. Like none of us really know. Like, all we know at this point, honestly, he's going to be here in 2021. It's not a guarantee he's going to be here in 2022 because they can actually, move, like you mentioned, Kevin, they can move out of that contract next yeah. offseason. So, yeah, yeah. To sit here and say, oh, he's going to be here for another four years, man, I, I'm i not going on that limb. I'm not. Yeah. It would be great, but I'm not. I'm not going on that limb. So. Yeah. 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 I just, I don't see it as them needing to, to wait two years. I just don't agree right. with that take. Like they, they absolutely can do it, but they're not forced to. That's part of the reason why it is, I think smart <laughs> because like if the quarterback isn't ready they can just keep ryan and like yeah you're admitting that maybe you were wrong but like you're not forced to move on from ryan this isn't a situation where it's one or the other only right but so. as we as we also mentioned that quarterback can be a good trade chip you you mean to tell me justin fields is not going to get a first rounder if he if it if it's year three and he's not playing 
and someone's caused someone calls the Falcons and say, "Hey, you guys are not even using Justin Fields. Send him over here. We'll give you a first round." Like you don't think, like he'll get he'll get some trade value. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he's not gonna rot away. Everybody's looking at it the wrong way, man. Yeah, I think people are just a little too black and white on it. Um, yeah, Evan, I wanted to give you an opportunity to to weigh in too because I, I don't want you to to feel like we're leaving you out. I know I know you didn't probably want to like barge into our like very intense back and forth, but I mean, what are your thoughts on oh, that? Do you do you think do you think they have to sit the quarterback for two years, or do do you think if they draft this quarterback that they're this player, whoever it is, is probably starting next year? Um, starting next year in twenty twenty two. It's possible. Uh, I mean, if you draft a quarterback like that, ideally you don't want them in year one to start, um, which doesn't seem like that would happen anyways. But year two, okay, that makes sense. Um, I've always been a big Matt Ryan supporter, so like I don't want him to you know, be booted out or whatever. I think he's as much flack as he takes from a lot of fans and stuff. Like He's the best quarterback we've ever had. Um, I'd love to see him get a Super Bowl, you know, but, but this is like Cinderella stories there. Mm. Um, unfortunately, he'll probably end up just leaving and whoever we have comes in and that's it. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know how it's going to be handled. It's it's just kind of like, we'll know more exactly at, you know, that first pick. Once that first pick's made, we're going to have a much better idea than we do right now. Because right now, I I can see like 10 ways this whole thing can go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, and it's almost like, you know, like annoying because it's like one day I'm thinking, okay, this is how, you know, this is probably what's going to happen. And then it's like the next, it's like, oh, well, you hear this rumor. So maybe they're going in this direction. I don't think they fully have, like, I don't think their minds are completely made up because if I was in that situation, I don't even know if I'd be able to sleep. Like, I'm so glad I'm not them because can you imagine the pressure of having to make so you know, if you have one good option, that's so much easier than having like five good options or four good options. It's insane. It is. It's wild. It's, it's, it is such a, like part of the reason why the us Falcoholic folks just kind of laugh to ourselves is like, all of these are good options. Like if, if you like, unless you take like Mac Jones or something or take some super low ball trade offer, like, I think people are going to kind of universally be happy with what the Falcons do. I will. Like, you know, so it's like, I will too. It seems so contentious. As long as but... <laughs> I think we can all agree. The only bad move at number four would be taking probably a defensive player, Matt Jones. That seems like the only, because they can trade back and get the defensive player and collect picks. Yeah. Um, because only... that's, to me, that would be the only issue. Only because... one of those only because of value at that point. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying the defensive player is awful. I'm just saying, like, There's you can you can take them at four, but why not move back to nine and take them? And you right. can yeah. still take them, but collect picks. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of a unique class in that way that there really is. Like, if there was a Chase Young, you know, we'd all be like, oh, yeah, they're taking Chase Young. Like, yeah. it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a question. We'd be talking about quarterbacks, to be quite honest with you. I would want Chase Young. It's not, we wouldn't even be talking about it. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just wild. And every draft is unique, man. It's a unique monster. Uh, and this year, 
most of all, perhaps. Uh, so we got another three dollars well, from I mean, George. It's normally, yeah, go, yeah, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, go, go I was ahead. just gonna say it's normally like a blast, but you know we're in this spot that we're never really in. That it's just adding to the pressure of it. That pick four, if we're like pick, you know, sixteen or something, it's it seems more relaxed. Like we're we're kind of antsy on who they're going to end up with, but it does. This is like pressure packed every day. It feels like. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, all right, so we got another three dollars from George. Again, George, thank you for your support, man. Um, so he says, "Okay, we need to thank Gurley for securing the fourth overall pick for us. Absolutely, Gurley was a hundred percent a hero for for making that. Also, Youngway Koo for missing that field goal, brother. Uh, it's just amazing, right? Like those two plays were the difference between this team, like being eighth or ninth or being four. You know, so it's crazy." Uh, he says, also, I think Quinn is a hack. Okay, yeah, that's fair. We're going to see, right, with, with Dallas. Dallas apparently thinks that he was, so, for some reason, this great defensive coordinator who was just somehow trapped in Atlanta. So we'll see. Uh, so he thinks that the defense is going to be better just because Quinn is gone. Uh, he does fear that money might be an issue for the future with the veterans that the Falcons might need to extend. What are we going to do with our big ticket players through 2023 i assume he means until we start getting that cap relief from moving on from ryan and the event of that quarterback at four it'll be you know multi-year deals with low year one cap hits right so like 2022 they're not gonna have a lot of space no matter what um obviously if the cap goes up a bunch then that'll help but um it's i don't think they're gonna have any trouble signing the main free agents they want they will probably have to shove off some of that money into 23 and 24 and so on. But I don't think that's going to be a problem because the cap is going to go up a lot. Um, and they're, if they do get the relief from Ryan in 2023, we're talking about like 40 million in space there. So um, that's obviously going to be a big chunk that should cover most of these veterans that they'd be looking to extend. Um, so I, I think they could make it work. Um, and I think they'll still have a lot of space in 2023, uh, assuming all goes well there um so yeah i i think they can they can resign their veterans i don't think they're gonna have too much trouble with that i mean next year is gonna be another bargain basement year right um and that's part of the reason why i love the strategy of let's sign a bunch of guys to one-year deals and if any of these guys hit and have a great season we're just gonna start raking in comp picks because next year we're not gonna be signing a lot of big name free agents either so um you know, say Deron Harmon has a great season and it's like a Pro Bowl caliber free safety in DMP's defense. Like he goes elsewhere, signs like a four-year big money deal. Falcons are getting, you know, a fourth or fifth back for him. You know, Corderell Patterson goes and signs somewhere else next year. We could be looking at, you know, a day three, early day three pick for him. So I like the strategy and I think they will have flexibility with the idea of when we get Ryan's cap space in 2023 and hopefully the cap has gone up a bunch, we can be in a position where the rookie has now had a year to acclimate. He's ready to hit the ground running and be like a serious, you know, competitor. And then we're going into 2023 with an enormous amount of space mm -hmm. um, to sign a few key veterans to really start to get this roster to where we think it needs to be to compete for a Super Bowl. So I think that would be the the plan if they go for a quarterback at four. Um, but yeah, what are, what are your guys' thoughts on that sort of long-term outlook? Me personally, you know, I, I think having that long-term outlook is, is critical, um, especially for this team, because as we mentioned before, like it's, it's the Matt Ryan era is going to come to an end at some point. Like he's not going to be to me, me personally, I personally believe he's not going to be here until he's 40. 
He can very well be here another two or three more years, but he can also very well be here one more year and they move on next year. And I, and I think, again, going back to what we stated earlier about Arthur Blank, he, he may look and think that, hey, getting a quarterback is the right move, but I think above all, he wants them to have a long-term plan in place because again there's a lot of vet- there's some veteran faces on this team and there's some young faces on this team so this this team is really like i said they're in the midst of making a transition here um julio's not getting not getting younger matt's not getting younger jake matthew's not getting younger so that long-term plan it has to be in place mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're in this sort of transitional period here where they don't have to take a long-term outlook. They could still go for like a two to three year, let's try to win now. Right. But that window is two to three years probably. Um, and that doesn't mean Matt Ryan can't be good past that point. But like right. Julio, we're probably not expecting him to be his full powerful self past two to three years. You know, we're at that point, we're going to be looking at a Jake Matthews extension again. Um, and Matthews is still young, but he'll be in his thirties at that point. Um, so they just really have to decide, do they want to go all in right now and basically try to do what the saints did with an arguably worse roster, particularly on the defensive side, or do they want to try? I, I don't think they're going to be considering like a full tear down and rebuild. I, I don't think that's really what they're looking to do. I don't think they're lying to you guys when they say we're not looking to tear it down and start over. I think Arthur Smith wants to compete this year. I think they intend to do that. And they have Matt Ryan, so they're going to be able to compete, assuming it's not a dumpster fire. Yeah, we would have saw that already. Yeah, yeah. So they're trying to compete, and they're going to. um, You know, we'll see how well it works out this year. But it's going to be really hard to try to squeeze in this, like, win-now style with how cash-strapped they are, with how much they're paying Matt Ryan, with the age and veteran heavy nature of this roster. It's just, it's going to be difficult to do that. And I, I think if I had to give you an, like an idea of what I thought the most successful outlook for this team would be, it would be that sort of aiming for 2023 with what you hope is your future franchise quarterback. Um, and a couple of really good draft classes you're hoping uh, going into that 2023 season with that quarterback, having a year of experience, with Arthur Smith, you know, having two years technically, one year of starting experience, and then trying to load up with those key free agent additions in 2023 to right. hit the ground running and, and try to have that be the beginning of your window. And 2023, 2024, 2025 with the fifth year option, you still have in that scenario three years of competitiveness with that quarterback on the rookie contract. Um, mm-hmm. where you're getting that salary, you know, the first two mainly, the fifth year option, not as much, but to some extent. So you can, you're getting the benefit. Obviously you're not getting the full rookie benefit of like five years, but the, you know, that's or, like splitting hairs, you know, Lance, you don't need it. Yes. Yes. It's, and like, I think people get too, you know, obsessed with like trying to maximize the rookie contract. And yes, that is a great way to squeeze extra money out of a roster, but it's not required to win a Super Bowl, um, it's great. nice. That makes it easier, but that's also a great way for your quarterback to become a bus super quick because yeah. you're, you're throwing them on the field because you want to get four, you want to max out at four years with him on the field, and that's yeah. that's exactly how the Trubisky's, the Manzels, that's exactly how they play out. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, we got one final George Costanza donation for $1. George, we do appreciate you, brother. Um, he says, last dono, uh, he wants to know about our plans for the draft in terms of our draft streams. Uh, is it going to be all three days or just the first two days? Also, if we draft pits, I believe that means that Smith is trying to contend now. I, would, for one, would take a Super Bowl now and austerity later. Let's just get that parade. Yeah, and, uh, you know, George, that could be what they decide to do. We'll see. Um, obviously, that, that would be, you know, risky in its own way. Uh, I think it would be a lot of fun to get Pitts in here. We're not against that, but uh, I think we're just kind of leaning more towards quarterback in terms of what we think the team will do, right. not saying that it's necessarily the best or the only move they should make that's just on the table. Um, but yes, we will be doing, for the first time, guys, draft streams on all three days of the draft. Obviously, we'll be going for the first day, uh, the whole round, day two also, and then day three, we'll see how we feel. Um you know, the Falcons don't pick in the seventh round, so we'll probably go through the Falcons picks and then call it um, at the longest. You know, I'm hoping the Falcons will trade away that really late sixth so that we don't have to stay that long. But we'll be here for at least some of day three. Uh, we'll be here for at least the early, you know, the fourth and the fifth, because the Falcons will have four picks between those two rounds at least. So we will uh, we'll probably stick to that first six round pick too, because they will pick like three times in like 10 picks. So we'll probably stay through at least that one. But um, yeah, we'll be here all three days, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's like our signature show. That's our anniversary show. That was the, f- the first show we did was a draft party. So it's always a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, great shows. The reactions are always a lot of fun. Um, so we hope to see all of you guys there for sure. Uh, we'll probably kick things off at like 7.30 on Thursday, the first night, because I think it starts at 8. So we'll go a little bit early. And then on the second night, I think it starts at seven. So we'll probably just start the show right at seven when the draft is kicking off. And then for day three, I guess it's noon or something like that. We'll probably be zombies by then, but we'll, we'll do our best. <laughs> we'll do our best. Okay. That's all I can promise. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, thank you guys again for tuning in. Uh, Jam packed show. Tons to get to. Next week, we'll be, we will be doing one final Wednesday show before the draft. Uh, it will be a, a last live mock draft uh which will be i think our best attempt at like predicting what we think the falcons will do based on how the board falls in the mock uh that one will be fun and i know you guys love the live mock uh that'll probably be a little bit of a shorter wednesday show just because we're going to be you know broadcasting the next three nights too um but definitely tune in next wednesday for that uh final live mock draft here on the show um before we get out of here, guys, uh, I do want to remind you, please like and subscribe. That really helps. And if you're interested in the Patreon, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Live. The Discord is also available for, uh, you know, I'm sure if you want someplace to talk about the draft uh, during the draft, that's not this chat room. You can hit up the Discord. There's a lot of active folks in there that are chatting every day now. Um, so you can check that out as well. The link to that is in the show description. Um, yeah, guys, before we get out of here, just want to thank my co-host this evening. First of all, Evan Birchfield. He's at uh, Falcoholic Rap Report. I mean, at Evan Birchfield on Twitter. Um, Evan, anything else? Any other surprise interviews? Anything you want to let the people know about uh, other other than what we've already talked about? Or you can plug the blanket. Um, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so on the Falcoholic.com, my interview with Arthur Blank, I had to cut it in two parts. The second part comes out on Friday. Um, so read that and then wait on Friday and read that. Uh, yeah, just stay tuned to falcall.com. A lot of draft content, probably the best we've ever had, at least since I've been reading and joined the site. Um, so definitely stay tuned. Uh, yeah. And day three will be interesting. I, uh, usually spend it 
like laying on the couch being like, Oh, they drafted somebody. Okay. <laughs> so this will be fun. And maybe, yeah. maybe we'll get some guests on for day three to keep yeah. it, you know, exactly. entertaining. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, I love that Adnan literally meant what he said when he was like, he ate the Twizzler and bounced. Yeah. Like I thought he was Twizzler joking. Was gone. And then yeah. he really. Like the second. Yeah. Yeah. So that was so. cool. That was a great commitment to the bit. I appreciate Adnan for that, mm. for sure. I, I, I'm not joking. I reached out to Twizzler to try and get him sponsorships. So <laughs> maybe, uh... Well, we'll, we'll keep I'm you guys joking, posted though, on that but... one. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep you guys posted on the Twizzler sponsorship. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'd be down to be sponsored by The color scheme would work, too. You know, Twizzler's red. Uh, yeah. Just so right. easy to just work that in. So, um, Mm-hmm. Also with us tonight, Eric Robinson. He's on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, anything that you're working on you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, just uh, recently submitted a scouting report for James Wiggins, Kevin yeah, Smith. Yeah. So that should be coming out tomorrow. Uh, I do have another column out, my scouting report on Asante Samuel. Give that a look. Amza Nazruddin as well. A bunch of prospects. Just go to my page. Give it a look. I got plenty of content coming out with that. Do we have a mock draft coming out next week as well? Um, I think Kevin is plugging away with some things as well. We're, we're just come to the alcoholic. Like, <laughs> There's a Eric, lot of is that was that um, fifth round pick Asante Samuel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just I, call us AtlantaFalcons.com. Like, just call like, us, okay? Man, like I would gladly do it. Isn't that 182? Isn't that fifth round? Yeah, that was one of those. That was that's a sixth rounder, basically. Yeah, that's like one of those top picks. Asante is a top 40 talent. Yeah, he's not not getting out of the second round, man. He's not. (laughs) Just come to the Falcoholic site, man. We got everything you need for the draft, for free agency, for everything afterwards, man. We're a one stop shop. Yeah, yeah, for sure, guys. We we have a lot of tremendous draft content coming out. Um, I'm gonna be having basically like one a day until the draft of like some, some top targets, um, including the, the, their athletic testing, um, from relative athletic scores. Kent LaPlatt does great work over there. Um, so you can check those out. I've done, um, edge and safety so far. All cornerback will be Friday. And then I'm going to get to a couple of the other key ones, uh, Thursday, AKA tomorrow. Uh, that'll be my penultimate mock draft. I love that word. So I make sure to use it every year. Um, so that you check that out. I'm sure that'll make some of you mad, but my, my fine, I, I will also have one more before the draft as well, coming out that Thursday. Um, and these final drafts are going to be my predictive mock dress where this is, I'm doing what I think the Falcons will actually do. Um, so a lot of fun, obviously it's going to make some people mad because I can't pick all the prospects people want, but, uh, check that out and enjoy it. Um, and then, like I said, guys, we'll be back next Wednesday for a live mock draft. And then, Three straight days of live draft coverage, guys. We are just about there. We have to make it through uh, one more week uh, somehow on this this website. But uh, we will be looking forward to spending draft night and draft weekend with you guys. Until then, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcon. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Quick, man. I wanna. I know we said it already on the show, but I want to give a shout out to Evan, man. Evan has been putting in tremendous work lately for the site. Um, and it, it, it has really benefited all of us. Um, so, so Evan, yeah, you deserve your moment. You, <laughs> yes. You- no, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I, I'm not a bragger and I find bragging awkward. Um, I see it as a win for the site. So that's all I care about. Um, 
I know the Falcoholics started as a blog, but I won't accept it as a blog. I think yes. it's more. So that's all I care about. And I, I hope I'm able to get more, you know, great guests on here because I think there's a lot of I know right now it's draft season, so we'll, you know, punt that till later. But we do have some good guests lined up, um, maybe former players and stuff. So Yeah, yeah. We got a lot of stuff cooking for the dead zone. So uh, don't worry, guys. We're going to have you covered all throughout the offseason. Uh, so stay tuned. Like I said, guys, I'm Kevin. I at Falcon Kevin for Evan and Eric. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. We will see you next week for the draft week and more. Until then, guys, have a great night. We will talk to you next time. See you later, guys.